Chapter 4 of Men of Iron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Men of Iron by Howard Pyle. Chapter 4. He was a tall man, taller even than Miles's father. He had a thin face, deep-set bushy eyebrows, and a hawk nose. His upper lip was clean-shaven, but from his chin a flowing beard of iron gray hung nearly to his waist. He was clad in a riding gown of black velvet that hung a little lower than the knee, trimmed with otter fur and embroidered with silver goshawks, the crest of the family of Beaumont. A light shirt of link mail showed beneath the gown as he walked, and a pair of soft, undressed leather riding boots were laced as high as the knee, protecting his scarlet hose from mud and dirt. Over his shoulders he wore a collar of enameled gold, from which hung a magnificent jeweled pendant, and upon his fist he carried a beautiful Iceland falcon. As Miles stood staring, he suddenly heard Gascoigne's voice whisper in his ear, "'Yon is my lord. Go forward and give him thy letter.' Scarcely knowing what he did, he walked towards the earl like a machine, his heart pounding within him and a great humming in his ears. As he drew near, the nobleman stopped for a moment and stared at him, and Miles, as in a dream, kneeled and presented the letter. The earl took it in his hand, turned it this way and that, looked first at the bearer, then at the packet, then at the bearer again. Who art thou, said he, and what is the matter thou wouldst have of me? I am Miles Falworth, said the lad in a low voice, and I come seeking service with you. The earl drew his thick eyebrows quickly together and shot a keen look at the lad. Falworth, said he sharply. Falworth? I know no Falworth. The letter will tell you, said Miles. It is from one once dear to you. The earl took the letter and, handing it to a gentleman who stood near, bade him break the seal. Thou mayest stand, said he to Miles. Needest not kneel there forever. Then, taking the opened parchment again, he glanced first at the face, and then at the back, and, seeing its length, looked vexed. Then he read for an earnest moment or two, skipping from line to line. Presently he folded the letter and thrust it into the pouch at his side. So it is, your grace, said he to the lordly prelate that we who have luck to rise in the world must ever suffer by being plagued at all times and seasons. Here is one I chanced to know a dozen years ago who thinks he hath a claim upon me and saddles me with his son. I must e'en take the lad, too, for sake of peace and quietness. He glanced around, and seeing Gascoigne, who had drawn near, beckoned to him. Take me this fellow, said he, to the buttery, and see him fed, and then to Sir James Lee, and have his name entered in the castle books. And stay, sirrah, he added, bid me, Sir James, if it may be so done, to enter him as a squire at arms. Methinks he will be better serving so than in the household, for he appeareth a soothly rough cub for a page. Miles did look rustic enough, standing clad in frieze in the midst of that gay company, and a murmur of laughter sounded around, though he was too bewildered to fully understand that he was the cause of the merriment. Then some hand drew him back. It was Gascoigne's. There was a bustle of people passing, and the next minute they were gone, and Miles and old Dixon Bowman and the young squire were left alone in the anteroom. Gascoigne looked very sour and put out. A rain upon it, said he. Here is good sport spoiled for me to see thee fed. I wish no ill to thee, friend, but I would thou hast come this afternoon or to-morrow. Methinks I bring trouble and dole to every one, said Miles somewhat bitterly. It would have been better had I never come to this place, methinks. His words and tones softened Gascoigne a little. Never mind, said the squire. 
It was not thy fault, and is past mending now. So come and fill thy stomach in heaven's name. Perhaps not the least hard part of the whole trying day for Miles was his parting with Dixon. Gascon and he had accompanied the old retainer to the outer gate, in the archway of which they now stood, for without a permit they could go no farther. The old bowman led by the bridle rein the horse upon which Miles had ridden that morning. His own nag, a vicious brute, was restive to be gone, but Dixon held him in with tight rein. He reached down and took Miles' sturdy brown hand in his crooked, knotted grasp. Farewell, young master, he croaked tremulously, with a watery glimmer in his pale eyes. Thou wilt not forget me when I am gone? Nay, said Miles, I will not forget thee. Aye, aye, said the old man, looking down at him, and shaking his head slowly from side to side. Thou art a great, tall, sturdy fellow now, yet I have held thee on my knee many and many's the time, and dandled thee when thou wert only a little weeny babe. Be still, thou devil's limb, he suddenly broke off, reining back his restive raw-boned steed, which began again to caper and prance. Miles was not sorry for the interruption. He felt awkward and abashed at the parting, and at the old man's reminiscences, knowing that Gascon's eyes were resting amusedly upon the scene, and that the men-at-arms were looking on. Certainly old Dixon did look droll as he struggled vainly with his vicious high-necked nag. "'Nay, a moraine on thee, and thou wilt go, go!' cried he at last, with a savage dig of his heels into the animal's ribs, and away they clattered, the lead horse kicking up its heels as a final parting, setting Gascon fairly a-laughing. At the bend of the road the old man turned and nodded his head. The next moment he had disappeared around the angle of the wall, and it seemed to Miles, as he stood looking after him, as though the last thread that bound him to his old life had snapped and broken. As he turned, he saw that Gascon was looking at him. "'Dost feel downhearted?' said the young squire curiously. "'Nay,' said Miles brusquely. Nevertheless, his throat was tight and dry, and the word came huskily in spite of himself. End of chapter 4